0: I have, uh, I have 6.30, so we better, we better dive in because uh, the bell's coming for us. It always does. Let's have, a, let's have a prayer together, and then we'll dive back in to thinking about the Christian home. Our Father in heaven, thank you so much for allowing us to wake up and meet this day. We thank you for the church and the body of believers that meets here at Dalreda in particular. We just appreciate times of respite like this where we can get away from some of the grind that we experience on a daily basis, uh, some of the toils and the tasks and the distractions, and we can focus together for a brief period of time on your word. Uh, we're thankful uh, for the families that we have, uh, the church family, and then our our, nu- our nuclear families as well. And uh, we always want to be mindful of of how we can proceed and what we can do to make sure that our families are as strong and godly as possible and that we can help to foster that same kind of ethic in those around us. And so we thank you for the guidance we find in, in the Bible and we thank you for the encouragement and support that we find here at Reda. We ask these things and offer our thanks to you in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Um, I wasn't here last week, and I did chat with uh, Brother Terry about the things he went over. I'm not in a position to review any of that, but uh, I I saw what he went over, and uh, when I have an occasion, I'll go back and listen to it. So I'm just going to sort of dive back into what I had been doing, which is considering discrete aspects of the Christian home. Uh, We've called this series of Lessons for the Quarter... God give us Christian homes. And my suggestion has been and continues to be. God has God has done everything that he needs to do for us to have Christian homes. It's not it's not going to be a magic trick. Um, Now it is incumbent upon us to do some things uh, to recognize uh, what he would desire for us and then to move in a way that would foster that. Um, So we spent a couple classes talking about parenting most recently and today I want to think about priorities. Priorities in the Christian home. The idea of priorities is that there are many things that need to be done. Sometimes there are many good things that need to be done, but we cannot do everything at one time and we can't give everything equal time and attention. In fact, it would be inappropriate to give every good thing equal time and attention. Some things demand a first place. And some things will be good if we can get to them, but we may not get to them. And if we do things in the proper order, there is no problem that we didn't get to certain things, though they may have been good. We emphasize what is best, and then we will emphasize what is better. And uh, if we have time, we get to what is merely good, if you understand that. So in everything we do, there has to be some priority. And in going through this particular list of priorities uh, that I want to emphasize with you, uh, I would submit to you that everything I'm about to say applies to every individual Christian's life, every individual's Christian life. But as we think about the home, I want to take that And uh, recognize that if we want to have Christian homes, then these priorities should be pervasive in our homes, not just in my individual life, but in how we make decisions and how we function in our home, the kinds of principles and priorities that we should instill in our children and hopefully in our children's children. So priorities in the Christian home. I offer you a list Uh, That I want to go through with you. Hopefully we'll have time to get to each of them. And there's some that I didn't even include because I figured that we wouldn't. Uh, This is the first one, our first priority. God must come before everyone and everything else. We see this very clearly in the Bible. That is Matthew chapter 10 and verse 37 is an example. He says he that loves father or mother more than me, Jesus speaking, is not worthy of me. And then he says he that loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Notice he doesn't say that you shouldn't love your father and your mother. Notice he doesn't say you shouldn't love your son or your daughter. You absolutely should. There are plenty of passages, Old Testament and new, that teach that you should love mother and father, son and daughter. But he says, I must be the priority. Uh, As I see something like this and I think about it, uh, I I tell you that there are times when I talk with my children and I tell my children, um, I love you. Uh, There's no one on the planet who loves you more than your mom and your dad, but God loves you more than the both of us put together. You see, God loves you more. And so you should love us. God tells you to. And hopefully we raise you and treat you in a way that we make it easy for you to love us. But you should love God more than you love us. He is the priority. And so we should emphasize that in our homes and of course, this has direct relation to do with the family, mother and father, sons and daughters. God is a priority even over our closest family relations. When we look at Matthew 22, verses 37 and 38, you know that here Jesus was being asked, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And he answers and says, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. Notice that he says all if you love God with everything that you have, that means there is nothing and no one who could ever have the first place ahead of him. And he told, of course, he told uh, the Jews that they could have no other gods before him. They couldn't put anything in the place that he rightly and properly occupied. And so I say to you, In every Christian's heart, in every Christian's life, and in every Christian's home, God must come before everyone and everything else. The first priority in every Christian's life must be to love, honor, respect, and obey God above all else. He has to come before mom and dad, before parents, children, friends, neighbors, work, school, fame, And fortune, he must always come first in everything the Christian says and does. And this should be lived out in the Christian home. It's easy to say this. Living it out is sometimes more challenging. And so my suggestion is that this is the kind of thing in a Christian home that should be discussed If it's husband and wife only, they should be discussing where does this line up with our priority being on God? When it comes to the children and decisions are being made, you have to ask first and foremost, how will this affect our relationship with God? Everything in the Christian home comes back to God being the priority. The second thing I would point out to you is that God's word has to come before any other word. God's word has to come before any man's word. Of course, you know, in Ecclesiastes 12 and 13, uh, Solomon says, and of course, he has gone through all the various things he has given emphasis in his life. He's looking back at the time he writes Ecclesiastes at the way he has invested his life at different periods of time, the way he has wasted his life as he pursued the meaning of life or the significance of life. And the conclusion that he reaches is, you have to fear God and keep his commandments. He says this is the whole duty of man. Again, if this is the whole duty is to respect God and keep his commands, then there's nobody else's command that could ever supersede his. You see, my wife is duty bound to God to submit to me, but my command is never greater than... She is first and foremost duty bound to submit to him. My children at this early stage in their lives are duty bound to submit to me. But as they grow older, they will become directly responsible to God and his command to them would be his word is greater Than mine in their lives. And the only reason that's not true at this moment is because they are not mature enough to appreciate his command. And so his command to them is that they listen to me at this early stage in their lives. Yes, sir. Well, you'll find, you'll find people with diatrophy spirit any and everywhere that you go. But uh, your first statement, I think, has a great deal of merit. That is, not everyone believes this. However, we begin, if you want to have a Christian home, with what God has to say. Now, the deal is, not everybody's interested in having a Christian home. Uh, but those of us who have gathered here, that's what we, that's what we would pursue and, of course, the Bible tells us that our priority has to be on what God says above what, any, what anyone else says. I show you an example of this uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verses 19 and 20. You guys remember this. The apostles were being pressed upon because they were doing what Jesus said. That is, they were preaching in his name and they were being forbidden from doing for doing so, punished for doing so. And uh, Peter articulates in a very um, distinct and succinct manner the priority that they had. Peter and John answered and said, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than unto God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things we saw and heard. Now, what's he saying? He's not saying I don't have any respect for you people in positions of leadership and authority. He's not saying that. But what he is saying is, if what you say contradicts what God says, what God says has to be our priority. And he says it to people who should know and understand that. And he says, now wait a minute. If you are telling me to do one thing and God is telling me to do another thing, you should judge for yourselves which one of these I ought to be doing. But while you judge, we've already decided what is the proper priority. My suggestion to you is that every Christian has to uh, prioritize what God says, and sometimes it will not be easy to do that. And as our society, changes, and I don't want to sidetrack myself by going too far into the changes that we see, but we all see that there are changes, uh, it will become more costly to do what God says. But friends, I would suggest to you that this is the kind of thing that in a Christian home has to be discussed. We know there will be consequences for doing what God says. And we know that sometimes that may mean that we'll be less popular. It may cost us money. It may cost us positions. And, and it could come to the place, because I see this It's just part of my work, where we will find ourselves in court or some people will find themselves in jail for doing what God says rather than what man says. You and I have a similar uh, sense of humor. Um, But the fact is, in a Christian home, these are the kinds of things that have to be thought about, They have to be discussed, and what some could call, I say it's a simple decision, but some might say it's a hard decision. The hard decision has to be made. And my suggestion would be that this kind of thing at age-appropriate levels needs to be presented to and discussed with your children. They need to be made aware of the kinds of uh, tensions that can exist because they are going to inherit this world after we're gone. And they are going to have to negotiate all of these things. And it shouldn't be the first time in their lives when they're 25 years old that they all of a sudden are having to make these kinds of decisions. So God's Word has to be uh, has to be the priority. You know, somebody on your job is telling you you need to cut some particular corner in order to keep your job. Well, listen, we got to listen to God rather than man. And if that means I have to get a new job, in a Christian's home. That's what it will mean. That's what it will mean. The law may say if you do that, then you're going to find yourself in legal trouble. Well, the last thing I want to do is run in into legal trouble, but uh, I'm more concerned about running into trouble with my God. And so if I have to have some kind of legal trouble, then that's what it will mean. That's what it will mean to emphasize God's word over man's um, in our time. Another thing here, uh, Christians ought to prefer one another over others. That is, Christians should be prioritizing one another over non-Christians. In Galatians 6 and 10, and I use these, the verses that I'm using, I'm using particularly because you can see the comparison, you can see the prioritizing happening right here in these passages. We just may not read them that way, but you remember in Galatians 6 and 10, the Bible says if we have opportunity, then we ought to do good toward all men, especially toward those of the household of faith. Don't you see the priority there being placed upon Christian brothers and sisters? As a Christian... We ought to do good toward everybody. We ought to love everyone. We ought to treat everyone with respect. We ought to do what we can to be neighborly and helpful toward everyone. However, it is rather easy at times for us to place greater emphasis on relationships that we have with people outside of Christ simply because they are more proximate to us. They live next door so it's easier for us to see them and to emphasize that relationship or perhaps because the persons are uh, related to us by blood and so we place emphasis on that kind of relationship but the Bible says the priority ought to be on our doing good toward those who are related to us by the blood of Christ. So my suggestion I'm sorry, say again. Yeah, preaching something else that people don't believe, or a lot of people don't believe it. What is that, sir? Appreciate that. Um, The idea that what I want to suggest to you here is that in a Christian's home, uh, it ought to be there ought to be a clear emphasis on Christian relationships. Um, So you ask yourself, I mean, you say this is a a Christian home that we have, a Christian home that we're trying to foster. Uh, That being the case, how often do you have other Christians into your home? How much time do you spend with your brothers and sisters in Christ outside of the assembly? Um, If you were to have to answer, you know, who are my best friends? Are they people who have also named the name of Christ and people uh, that you are spending time with, vacationing with and whatever it is? um, I just suggest that the Bible tells me we really ought to be preferring Now, that doesn't mean that we cut off relationships with people who don't know Christ, but it does suggest to me that they ought to have people who are uh, members of God's family ought to have the preeminence in our lives and receive uh, the, the first fruit of our efforts, if that makes sense to you. The next thing I'd suggest to you is that in terms of priority, uh, Christians must prefer or prioritize others before themselves. If you look at a passage like Philippians chapter two, again, this is this is very explicit. Uh, Beginning there at verse three says we ought to do nothing through faction or strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, we ought to counter esteem others better than ourselves. Question, does that mean we shouldn't love ourselves? The Bible says we ought to love others as we love ourselves. And that tells me that I don't know how to love other people unless I know how to love myself. I should love myself. However, however, I should think about others before I think about myself. And when it comes down to it, if it's a matter of me doing something for myself or doing something for a brother or a sister, uh, I ought to do I ought to have a lifestyle and practice of being selfless and doing for others before I do for myself. You know, sometimes that requires a lot of faith because our thinking is if I prefer other people, And am uh, selfless in pursuing other people's best good. This is what we think I will miss out. Now, that's what we think. However, God has no intention that we miss out on things that we really should have. If you think about this for a moment in a group of people, all loving the Lord and preferring one another who are looking out for one another, as we see right here, no one would miss anything because you'd have 300, 400 people making sure they don't. But that doesn't always pervade in the world or in the church. In a Christian home, though, it should. He says specifically, not looking each of you to his own things, but each of you also to the things of others. I should be... Trying to do what is best for others in my life, but in my home, uh, it's interesting. I won't just because one of them's in here. I don't want them to be self-conscious. But uh, here recently, this happens all the time. I'm, there's certain things when we have uh, have our meals that different ones in the family prefer, and I have one that, uh, if left to his own devices, none of us would get any fruit because he likes fruit a lot and uh, he sort of will take all of the fruit and the other wouldn't get any. Uh, And that's a natural thing, it's kind of a natural thing. Um, My wife and I'll just, so my wife bought some salsa, I like salsa a lot and she brought this fresh thing of salsa and um, my suggestion is always go ahead and take what you want out so that I can eat the rest with a clear conscience, right? I mean, it'd be better for me if you just separate the portion that you want because I just kind of get greedy like that and I thought she had so I ate the rest and then I found out that it was uh I was premature in doing that but little things like that little things like that provide an opportunity for me to say listen no you never do that what you do is you ask everyone else if they want some and then you get some for yourself and you leave some in case somebody else decides. And before you go back, you ask again if anyone else wants some. let think about other people first and something very simple like that. And I try to impress that um, on my kids because that's our lifestyle. It's like, listen, if you see something that needs to be done, um, go ahead and do what needs to be done. And then you may have to bring to somebody else's attention that there was something that they needed to do. Uh, we just have to think about others before we think about ourselves. You know, if I have a certain amount of money, it's not that I have a certain amount of money. We have a certain amount of money, and I'm not going to try to enjoy all of that for myself without first making sure that everybody else gets to enjoy it with me. That's the kind of spirit That ought to pervade in a Christian's home. And if it pervades in the home, then the young people in particular will take that with them into life. That's how God expects us to, expects us to operate. I I consider this an example of this um, selfless kind of mindset and behavior. You see this in Luke 10. You remember uh, the Bible tells us that there was a man going on the road uh, from Jerusalem down to Jericho and he falls among thieves and And uh, these guys had a certain philosophy of life. Their philosophy of life was uh, what's yours is mine, and I don't have to ask you for it. I'll take it by force if need be. So they beat this, uh, wounded him, left him on the side of the road half dead. And uh, others came along and saw him, religious people. And their philosophy was sort of, what's mine is mine. I'm not going to take anything from you, but I certainly won't inconvenience myself to help you, though I see you in some distress, you see. But the one that Jesus commends, uh, the Samaritan, is surprising in the context, but it's the Samaritan whose attitude was, what's mine is yours. Uh, You don't have to ask me for it. You you see, these these other groups of people, we all condemnable in their own way because they were all selfish and we might, well, the, the, the guys who came by and didn't help, well, they didn't beat him. No, but but they had a responsibility and they left him in the same condition in which they found him when what they were supposed to do was say, you know, I have to be somewhere at whatever time it is. But uh, I'm just going to have to be late because here's a person who needs my help and assistance you know, I've only got a couple of nickels and dimes in my pocket and I've got plans for them. And so this guy is just going to have to suffer. But the one that Jesus commends comes by and he listened. He was on his way to someplace. I don't know where he was going, but he was going somewhere and his schedule was disrupted for a time. And he had to inconvenience himself to take this man to an end and he had to use his resources to nurse that man. He had to use his money to make sure that man had the things that he needed. Um, But that's what thinking of others before yourself looks like that's what it looks like and in a Christian home uh, that's that's what has to be happening that's what has to be going on we prioritize others before ourselves and so in a Christian home people do not concern themselves only with their personal battles and struggles we all have things that we have to work on or work through uh, but they will participate in the battles and the struggles of others as well Christians uh, esteem others better than themselves, so they routinely are participating in selfless acts of service toward other people. Listen, that's true if you live all by yourself. My suggestion, though, is in your home, if you want to have a home that can truly be called a Christian home, this kind of ethos has to be pervasive, everyone trying to serve and help everyone else, In the home. Um, As we come to this time of the year in particular, people tend to uh, be a little more charitable. We come to this time of the year. And uh, so people will sometimes make um, abnormal gestures. They will do things during this time of the year that perhaps they wouldn't, where they are thinking about people who are. Uh, We would say less fortunate, but people who maybe don't have enough, whereas they have an abundance. And so they may give things, food or clothing or gifts and what have you. My suggestion is that I know why the world limits its charity to these particular months of the year. My suggestion is that that kind of spirit ought to pervade in a Christian's home all the time, all the time. Uh, That's part of being a Christian. Uh, Another idea here in terms of our priorities is that uh, Christians must emphasize and prioritize duty before pleasure. A couple of passages come to mind here. You remember in Romans chapter 12, among other things, there in verse 11, Paul says that Christians ought not to be slothful in business. That's the old version Uh, The American Standard Version 1901 says that we ought to be uh, in diligence, not slothful. But the idea is when we have some work to do, we ought not to be the kind of people who incessantly delay in the doing. We ought to be diligent in business. Um, And you know, the Lord gives us business and we accept some other business, that is, You know, uh, if you accept the job and your employer is going to pay you for work, you know what you ought to do. You ought to be the best employee that that this person has because you have a Christian's work ethic. Uh, And people who don't know the Lord, they're not going to serve their secular master as if they were serving the Lord. But the Bible tells us that's how we are to serve And so if you say I am a Christian and you tell people around you that you are a Christian, should they see you being slothful in business? Should not be. Should not be. And certainly we shouldn't be slack and slothful in the Lord's business. Another example or passage here that I think really illustrates the priority is in 2 Thessalonians 3, verses 10 through 12. You guys remember, and there's reasons for it. We talked about uh, when we studied the uh, book of 1 Thessalonians some months ago. But uh, these guys thought the Lord was going to come back, you know, today or tomorrow. And so that led to some difficulties in how they were living out their faith. And one of the difficulties was, you know, well, what's the point in working? I mean, Jesus is coming back tomorrow. I mean, no reason for me to waste. And, you know, what if I knew the Lord was coming back tomorrow for sure? I might not go to work either. I just uh, I have some other things I might prioritize. But they were mistaken. That was not the way Paul was teaching them. And so he says to them, even when we were with you, this we commanded you, if any will not work, neither let him eat. For we hear of some that walk among you disorderly. How are they disorderly? That work not at all, but are busybodies. These people are goofing off when there's work to be done. And he says, Now them that are such we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. Duty, work, responsibility has to come before pleasure. Uh, there's someone that I know. I, just, I, won't, I won't say who because... There's somebody that I know that I just... He just takes more vacations than I can appreciate. It's like, well, when do you actually work? You need a vacation from your vacation? I mean, every time I talk to you, you need... uh, I just... Listen. Vacation is good. Pleasure is good. Relaxation is good. Rest is good. But it presupposes work. And the Christian emphasizes work first. And you see this here. He says, if any will not eat, will not work, neither let him eat. Work comes first. And uh, Christians ought to be hardworking people. Uh, Christians ought to be people with their nose to the grindstone. Christians ought to be people who wake, wake up daily with things that need to be done in service to the Lord and in taking care of their earthly responsibilities. And they do that. First, that's the kind of ethos and ethic you see in the Bible with God's people. And when that fails, Paul wrote two letters to the Thessalonians trying to straighten this out. He was correcting that lack of priority on work. Um, I say to you again, I just want to make sure here because I'm not doing a comprehensive treatment about work, Recreation and relaxation are fine in their proper context. In fact, they're good and properly appreciated, understood, and employed. They will allow us to be more productive. For men and women are not robots, and if you try to work as if you were a robot, you will crash and burn sooner than you should have anyway. A little downtime is necessary, uh, and some of us would probably benefit from understanding this better than we do. Some downtime is necessary. It's the way God designed us for. He gave us, or he gave the Jews the Sabbath for a reason. But work and duty and responsibility have to come first in the Christian home. Simple thing, but like in my house, you know, what I try to tell my kids is, uh, listen, when you wake up, don't wake up and start tinkering with things and playing with things. You get up, you make your bed. You take your shower. You do the things that you know you have to do. And when you finish all of that, now you have time to relax and play video games or whatever it is that you want to do. You want to go outside and play. Well, we don't go outside and play until the work is done. And you know what that means? Sometimes we don't go outside and play. Sorry, but that's the way life is. Our work comes first. Uh, we have a list of chores that they have to do every Saturday, and uh, this once they complete all that, then Saturday is their sort of day to spend, they spend more time you know, playing games or whatever they're going to do. Um, but you see, they have taken to let's get up early on Saturday and get the work knocked out as soon as we can because that gives us more time to goof off. And I'm fine with that. That's great. Because if I understand it properly, that's the way life is supposed to work. Responsibility and duty and productivity come first. Uh, I, yes? That's right. Uh, this is this is Abraham when God would tell him to do something in particular. I know this happened more than once, but particularly I know it happened with Isaac, where he was going to sacrifice Isaac. The Bible says he got up early the next morning to go and do that. Uh, that's the kind of that's the kind of ethic that uh, Christians ought to have. We don't put off until tomorrow what ought to be done today. We don't make God's business the last thing that we do. It's the first thing that we do and once we take care of that if there is time left then we can have some recreation and so forth. Um, I believe for time this may be the last one that we get to mention um, tonight but the spirit must be prioritized before the body and uh, several passages, but I just picked two that I think clearly illustrate this. Matthew 6, very familiar to us. In verse 31, Jesus says, Be not therefore anxious, saying, What shall we eat, what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? Question. Uh, Is it important for us to eat? Don't eat and see what happens. It's important. It's a necessity. Okay? Is it important for us to have clothing? I'm not going to suggest that you don't wear clothing to see what happens. But I am going to suggest that uh, in the climate that may be a little more severe than this, you wouldn't survive without it. Okay, clothing is a necessity. But Jesus says, don't give that any thought. And listen to what he says. For all these things do the Gentiles seek. People who don't know God worry about those physical necessities, things they have to have to survive physically, they worry about those things. He says, instead, you seek first the kingdom and of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Now, what's he saying? He knows we have to eat, and he knows we need clothing. And if we live our lives the way that God lays them out, we will have food to eat, and we will have clothing. But he says what you need to prioritize and emphasize is your spiritual well-being. Uh, Friends, this is something that I think we in the church, even sometimes we lose sight of this. You know, we we emphasize our work and we emphasize, you know, having a bigger home and having a newer car and whatever size retirement plan. And we just want all this stuff. Um, And sometimes we make sacrifices that we would be better off not making because what we do is we prioritize physical things over spiritual things. Uh, In a Christian house, there are going to be times where decisions have to be made that lead to having less money and a smaller home and uh, a used car instead of a, brand new one there are times when you're trying to maintain a christian environment in your home and you're prioritizing spiritual things over physical things you will have less now listen you will have what you need you just won't have all of what you want You'll have less of what you want than you would if your priorities were different, if your priorities were like the Gentiles. But in a Christian home, this is the kind of discussion that husbands and wives ought to be having. Well, you know what? I was offered this promotion at my job. Okay, well, what's that going to mean for our family? What's that going to mean in terms of our spiritual life and our service to the church and our commitment there? What's that going to look like? Well, if I take that job, you know, maybe I won't make it here or I won't make it there. Or we won't be able to do this. Well, maybe we tell that uh, employer no because God is providing for us now. We don't have to sacrifice some spiritual investment. We that kind of thing, uh, my suggestion, too, is uh, even children should be made a part of those kinds of discussions. I like my children to understand that we make certain decisions because... We put God first, and that means you know, we won't be able to have that or we won't be able to do this. And then I tell them at the same time, we have more than 90-something percent of people in the world. How much more do we need? We fare sumptuously every day. Every day you eat until your belly is full. How much more do you need? You throw away stuff that people in the world would kill to have. How much more do we need? We have to emphasize spiritual things over physical. That's just part of being a Christian. In Matthew 10 and verse 28, Jesus says, Don't fear them that kill the body, but you fear him that can destroy the body and the soul in hell. Now, what's his point? In both cases, the body is lost. The emphasis is on the soul and making sure that it is preserved. And so the priority, he tells us, ought to be on spiritual things. In both cases, the body is lost. Christ commands that compared to our concern for spiritual matters, we ought to take no thought for spiritual needs, I mean, for physical needs. He doesn't suggest that the body is not important. Indeed, it is. The Bible teaches us that our physical bodies are the temple in which the Holy Spirit dwells, but the Christian home functions in a way that respects the emphasis on the spirit rather than on uh, the physical body. there's a lot more that could be said, but I just offer this in, in conclusion to these uh, particular priorities. And as I said, there are some others. Um, but in the Christian home, people have to have their priorities straight. And I just remind us all that worldliness is not limited to wickedness. Just because we're not investing ourselves in things that are inherently sinful doesn't mean that things might not be instrumentally sinful. That is, they're not inherently sinful, but when we get them out of their proper place and we don't have proper priorities, the way we use them could be sinful. And we should remember that. Sometimes we overcommit to good things, like work or politics. Uh, That one, just because of recent events, you see that we sometimes put more emphasis on that than we should. Or school, or sports, or charities, all of that in its proper place can be good, but uh, in an improper, with improper emphasis, it can cause a Christian to be double-minded and distracted, and that is bad. That is bad. I guess we should stop. That was the bell. Thank you for your time and attention. We'll try again next week. Thank you.